My name is Barbara Clifford and I have an unstoppable passion to create order out of chaos. I'm on a mission to help managers, business owners and CEOs to unclutter the chaos and break free from the shackles of overwhelm so that they wake each day inspired and motivated to work in peak performance and live on purpose. During these solo podcasts, I lift the lid on my journey to minimize stress and maximize time. I will share with you the mistakes, the celebrations, the joys that come from helping busy people just like you to increase your productivity and your impact in the world around you, to go from chaos to calm, from stress to strength. Hello, Tansel. Thank you for joining me and hanging out with me. It's lovely to to have you in this conversation that we're going to have today. So we're going to be talking about the impact that memory has on our stress management and how they work together. But before we kick off, would you like to just tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came into the space of the mastery of memory? Yeah, thanks, uh, Sandra. Uh, sorry, Barbara. So, only kidding. Um, yeah. <laughs> I like it, like what you did there. <laughs> yeah, you've caught on very quick. Um, yeah, basically, I'm what they call a memory expert. So I help people um, with their memory. And it's not just about being able to remember, but uh, we're going to get into the topics, obviously, deep into the discussion of how can you use your brain power to manage stress and anxiety and uh, you just use it to your advantage to get more productive and manage time better and you know reduce stress, all, all that good productivity stuff. So that's what I do. Um, I've been working in this industry for about 20 years now, and I've written a, a couple of books as well, um, The Yellow Elephant and How to Learn Almost Anything 48 Hours. They are predominantly memory and learning books. But once again, once we get uh, talking into you know, our topic, uh, people start to understand that it, it is much deeper than being able to just remember content and um, making the most out of our brain. So been doing that for that long. I've, I've been on TV a fair bit, uh, coaching people as well. Um, especially on that show redesign my brain that people have sort of seen me on coaching Todd Sampson with his memory. Um, also, you know, write a lot of blogs and have a YouTube channel and, you know, work with a lot of organizations uh, essentially to help them become more productive and work at their performance and, uh, and coach clients on the side too. So that's just me in a nutshell. Awesome. Thank you. And, and Tansel, do you find that people try and catch you out? Do they try and trick you and, and test you to see how good you are with your memory? Yeah, look, I mean, people try. They, they can try. But what always wins is honesty. So I, I could just say to people, look, you know, I, I can't remember. Or, you know, uh, this was a while ago. Or I do remember. So, you know, you can't complain against honesty. And we are human beings at the end of the day. So once people start to realize that they go, oh, you know, there's no pressure on me. I mean, if the memory guy, um, you know, asked me that question, well, then you know, why am I waiting for someone to say their name or, you know, so we essentially put ourselves under pressure. And once we understand that, you know, there really is no pressure, you can ask a question again and you can write things down and you can do all these, you know, things that make life easier, you know, so yeah, people do try, but I, I try and use that as an educational experience for people as well. 
And I guess as coaches, because you, as you mentioned, you touched upon that you do, do you are coaching people. Uh, if we become like superheroes, then it, people think that it's unattainable skills. So I like to tell people that, you know, in terms of stress management and time management, I'm constantly stuffing up in those areas because so that I can learn and help my clients in that area. And so I guess if people see that you sometimes have those challenges too, then they know that, there's a practical application that we are only human and that those adopting those skills are achievable for us in terms of mm. being able to improve our memory. So, Tansel, uh, can you let's talk a little bit more about the relationship? And you and I had this conversation before the relationship between stress and and memory. So how do they work in hand in hand? What impact does stress have on our memory and what can we do to make a change with that? Yeah, well, firstly, I have to discuss memory techniques because not a lot of people know what memory techniques are. And, you know, a lot of people think that what memorization is just rote learning repetition over and over again. And just doing that is stressful uh, and we don't know any other way. Um, so when I first started, I learned about memory techniques and essentially it's storytelling, right? So if we tell a story, if we associate, uh, if we mix things together and make up some sort of a narrative, then that's how we remember a lot better. So I'll give you an example with remembering names. Um, so someone tries to remember my name, Tansel, uh, they could say Tinsel and imagine Tinsel wrapped around my head, someone putting me on a Christmas tree, right? So you've come up with an image and you've made a little story. Now that's going to stick with you, right? Um, you know, for example, let's say you're holding barbed wire or, you know, instead of your, your headphones got barbed wire coming out. So that's going to connect me to, oh, Barbara, you know, it's only a trigger. So the trigger is connected by the story okay that's how memory techniques work now how does that relate to stress when we're stressed and you know where we have fear we have anxiety all that sort of stuff what happens is that we've already got a story in our head right and we can feel that story if it's really painful we can experience it um, like it's almost real life so what we need to do is we need to understand what memory training the more you train, the better you get at this skill, right? So if you know how memory works, then you know how to change that story because memory training is in stories. The stress is in stories. So all you have to do is try and make that story weaker. So you can actually use memory techniques to forget, believe it or not. <laughs> so you can make that story weaker. And then while you're making that weaker, you can actually connect another story, which is maybe more positive and more future focused or maybe more present focused. Uh, to try and get your mind off this bit of stress. So it's, it's quite really, amazing how that skill works. Yeah, That's really interesting. So what you're talking about in terms of memory and how it can, it can serve us is, I guess, in terms of that post-traumatic stress that some people talk about. I, I mean, I don't deal in, in that area, but part of that stress is about reliving and recalling that story mem remembering that story that's causing us the trauma and so what you're saying is you create a new story to remember that you can use that to help you uh, that that cognitive process to retrain your brain to think of a different story uh, rather than the stressful one is that what you're saying Tansel? Yeah, I think it's best if I give a little example as well so people can sort of just see how this works. Um, let's say uh, I have some negative story. Maybe I broke my arm, 
right? And I remember the pain and I'm constantly being reminded of not to do this one thing because I broke my arm, something like that, right? And it's causing people stress. What you can do is to make that story weaker, um, what you can do is actually visualize everything in the color gray because everything's all colorful at the moment, right? So you visualize it in gray. And then what you do is you visualize that picture smaller and smaller and smaller, right? So it's like a little sort of 10 cent piece or whatever it is, right? Um, so it's really tiny, really gray, really small, and you keep focusing. What happens over a period of time is that that gray image, as soon as you think of it, it almost becomes like nothing. So it's almost irrelevant. Um, so that's making the story weaker. And then what you're doing is saying, okay, um, how do I want to you know, live my life? How do I want to feel? So maybe you're picturing yourself getting on with work or you know, living your life how you want to live and you make that really exciting. You introduce a lot of color. You, you, you do the opposite of the other thing. You, know, you really put yourself in the situation where you're experiencing the life that you want to live and what are you tasting? You know, what are you smelling? So you know, that goes down, this goes up and the mind just completely shifts and your actions and thoughts start to shift as well. But it is something that has to be practiced quite a bit, but you, know, you can do it. So it's about, yeah, retraining your brain and creating habit and to remember that in those situations. Um, and I love what you're saying too, because some of the stuff that I do with people around stress management is being able to remember in those moments some simple tools or strategies. And uh, Tansel, do you find too, in terms of, I know when we talked, I talked about having to, the stress of having to remember dance moves for this community theatre production that I'm in and having to remember the words to a song. And you, you talked about a really, really good technique. I think you called it like the, the castle or something like that in terms of um, how we create a story to help us remember those things that we need to remember in that moment so that we're not freaked out and and stressed and and I know that that's a big challenge for people as well so can you tell us a little bit about that technique some tips for people that might be in similar situations yeah I, I loved how you said the castle because uh, that's probably the Australian version isn't it <laughs> yeah, it's, it's called the castle um, it's even got a video movie uh, according to it so um, yeah the technique's called the method of loci the ancient Greeks, that's what they named it. Um, the more, you know, widely known as at the moment as memory palace. So that's where you probably got the castle. Yeah, from. I knew there was something, um, some relationship between Connected, but yeah. I, I, I like castle better. Yeah, I like the Australian connection. So anyway, how this works is uh, a, me a method of loci or what you do is you have locations, right? Particular locations um, in a, like a route. So if you're going from one spot to another and along the route, you have, um, items to remember being associated onto them. So I'll give you an example. Let's say you have a location for your house, right? That's, that's called a, a memory palace. And then your first location starts from the front of your house and you keep going all the way towards the back and connecting items to it. So for example, my house, my first location is my front fence. Then the next second one is my front door. And then I open my front door and I've got my living room. So I might say couch, right? That's my third location. And then fourth location, I might choose the TV in front of me. So it's just locations that are in order, right? And you can have unlimited amounts of these, right? So at home at the moment, I've got around 60. I've got 300 just walking down the street. You know, I go into the petrol station and there's the Bowser. There's the, you know, the, the chip section, the drinks, the customer service. So, you, you can create your own, 
right? So, and then what you do is you memorize items to be remembered on here. So if I use my house, for example, and I'm going to remember a talk, right? Uh, my talk starts with maybe an introduction. So I connect the word introduction or create some sort of a story context around that with my front fence. So maybe I'm introducing myself to the front fence and neighbors are looking and going, who's this crazy guy? You know, introduce shaking hands with the front fence, right? And the stories, the crazier that they are, the easier it is to remember as well. So, you know, uh, it's imagination. That's really the key here. Then the second point might be, uh, you know, my talk talks about maybe memory techniques, right? So I could just picture maybe someone throwing a plastic brain at my front door or maybe a real brain, <laughs> right? And yeah. open the door, brains everywhere. Yeah. Right? And the third location, which is a couch, uh, the couch, it could be, you know, maybe short-term memory. So maybe I just picture a short couch, right? Um, the couch has gotten shorter. I was like, how did this happen? Right. So all you're doing is you're associating key items to remember onto those locations. And when you want when you want to remember them, you go back into those locations. And go, OK, what was happening in my front fence? Oh, I was introducing the introduction. Right. Second location, the door. What was happening to the door? Someone threw a brain. Ah, oh, you know, we've got maybe um, talking about the brain memory. That's right. Talking about memory. And then the third location, something went short. Oh, the couch went short, short term memory. So you keep doing that. And the locations trigger the actual word. So think of it like folders on your computer. Everyone's got their files in folders, right? If we didn't, what would we do? Would everything just go on a desktop, thousands of files? How would you find something then, right? Even if there was no search, it'll be really difficult. So this is where this system works like folders on a computer. You know, you know thousands of files where they're situated because you know the folder. So it's the same thing in your brain here as well. What I found really interesting about what you're saying is that in those examples that you just gave, there was kind of a bit of a shock tactic. So that seems to me to be a way to plant that seed as well. Like you said, shaking hands with the fence is really abnormal. Um, throwing brains, uh, like real brains at a door. I'm just visualising brain matter splatting, splattering across the front door. A short couch is, is odd. It's not a normal couch. It's an odd couch because it's short. So it makes sense to me that it's things that seem odd that will stand out in your memory. Like you were talking about remembering my name, the barbed wire, and having that integrating with me somehow because it's a, it's a shocking kind of image that stays with you and that you will retain because it's out of the norm. Is that kind of how it works as well, Dancer? Yeah, look, it can work in any different way. I just use shock because it's out of the ordinary and it's more memorable, right? So generally, and this goes to everyday life as well. We, we don't generally remember the good things that happen, but something negative happens. Oh, no, you know, such and such has happened. Why is that? Even in workplaces where, and this is where managers have to be mindful as well. You know, someone makes a mistake and suddenly they come down hard, whereas they could be doing amazing work all throughout the day. But it's just, well, that's what we expect, right? So the negative is actually, um, yeah, something that doesn't necessarily happen often. And when it's visualized, you go, oh, what's that? You know, so if you make something really negative or really positive, that's going to stand out. If it's something in the middle of the road, uh, very generic, it's going to be very hard to remember. 
I was I was saying to you too, and I some people that are watching this may or listening to this may be familiar with the game. We used to call it grandmother's chest or um, saying I'm going to the moon and I'm going to take with me. And it's a game, it's a car game, road trip game typically, where you have to remember the sequence of things that you're taking on the road trip or on, on the pulling from your grandmother's chest or whatever. And um, and it's interesting. My husband and I used to play it all the time with road trips and then we'd compare notes with each other of how we were able to sustain the game and stay in the game. And my method was to create uh, a story that, that linked all of those things together, a sequence of events, whereas he did your palace or castle method of going through a room to be able to do it. And it was it seemed to work for both of us um, in terms of being able to remember that. So do you think it's worth practising games like that with your family or friends? It could be a drinking game. <laughs> yeah, look, all, all those skills, um, you know, is going to help, you know, whether it's linking a story together um i mean when you're using a memory palace you're still you still have to make up stories anyway so you know in memory competitions we all use memory palaces because you can memorize thousands of items a lot easier whereas if you're linking things as soon as it gets more than 20 it becomes very difficult because you break a link on the seventh item then you're not going to get to the eighth or anything after that but memory palace you could put two items in each location and it, let's say you've got 100 locations you can memorize 200 things but if you forget the third item, you could still remember the fifth and sixth and so on. So that's that's why that's you know powerful. But it all depends on how you're using it, how you're training your brain. The more you do this, the better you get at not just building a story, but creativity as well. And I know personally that the more I've trained over the years, the better I've gotten at, say, problem solving and decision making and you know, things like that. So when I've worked in organizations, People have wondered where I've come up with these ideas. I'll say, well, I've been working on this for, you know, a very long time, you know. So there's a lot of things that, you know, you tend to come up with that people don't necessarily, um, you know, think of. So you start to think laterally by training your brain. Makes sense to me too that in terms of having to communicate ideas, whether you're public speaking, someone who we've we've got it listening here as an expert in, in in public speaking, but it's being able to I can imagine practicing this technique would also help you to practice coming up with symbols or things that represent things as well and becoming familiar with that. Um, Tansa, can I ask you this question? Uh, I read a recent an article recently, and I was really interested to see see your thoughts on this. It was talking about the stress that we have when we are forgetful in terms of everyday things. For example, and I've experienced this stress when you've parked your car somewhere and you can't remember where you've parked it in a massive parking lot, say at the airport or somewhere, and you're spending forever trying to find your car. And what they were saying in the article is that we're not being present and mindful and observing things. And I guess it's the symbols, the stories, the placement, how we got to that car park, remembering the story of getting there because we're not being mindful and observant in that moment. We're not retaining that information that serves us later on. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, uh, I totally agree. Um, you know, memory is actually a mindful exercise. If I don't use the techniques, um, I'll, I'll forget, <laughs> right? If I go into a room of people, they say their names and I haven't switched on that, you know, turn on that um, switch to say, I'll have to use memory techniques. I'm just going to forget. 
right? So it is a mindful exercise and being more mindful and taking time to tune out and, you know, almost like meditate in a way. You can actually use memory techniques to meditate by going through your locations and things like that, which helps you become more mindful. So I do a, a lot of coaching around mindfulness and, uh, you know, that is something that helps you turn on the ability to use memory techniques because if you don't know you don't know you're just going to go about doing things automatically and when we look at technology right every seven minutes or so they say we check our phones right now why is that can we do without checking our phones and every time we check our phones it's taking away from being mindful at a particular topic or something what we're trying to do so you know that's why when boredom kicks in people try and get away from boredom but that's not necessarily the answer because when you're bored, it's it's like a superpower, believe it or not. It's you know when you get into the shower or in the bathroom, right? You get the best ideas generally, right? And it's the same thing. The brain goes to the same state when we're bored, but we don't want to be bored, so we end up distracting ourselves, and because of that distractions, uh, we're becoming more and more automated, automatic, and less mindful. So that's the problem. Uh, mm -hmm. In order to be more mindful, we need to be more in with ourselves have less things in our mind because the more things in our mind, the more we worry and, you know, we, we haven't got time to synthesize anything. So it's everything really does come down to mindfulness at the end of the day. I mean, you could know all the memory techniques, but if you, you automatically keep forgetting things without even knowing that you have to apply the techniques, it's kind of useless. Right. So, yeah. yeah. So it's being knowing when you need to apply, like you said, when you walk into the room, it's this thing of, I have to switch it on. I need to consciously go through a process in order mm. to apply that technique and knowing when to apply it and when not to. I'm going to, uh, here's the thing. I, again, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. One of the things I teach people uh, around time management and it kind of conflicts in some way with your with what you're talking about is I say don't rely on your brain to remember everything use some systems to support you but what I mean by that is don't have to remember when your doctor's appointment is don't have to remember when that meeting is use the tools to do that so that your brain has got more energy and function to use that memory tool when you really need it for remembering people's names re remembering those kind of things rather than getting your brain getting too full of everything else that you need to remember what do you, what are your thoughts on that Tansel yeah I mean you're just creating triggers right uh, I mean how awesome is it to just not have anything in your mind and whenever that notification comes like oh okay I better go do this you know so only worrying about it when you need to worry about it instead of building up leading to it. So it's, it's a great little tool and technique. Um, you know, it's just about utilizing these skills that work best for each individual. I think that's really the key because there's so many cool things out there that, you know, yes, you can spend time memorizing and remembering everything, but I always say to people, memory is generally the last thing you need to do. You know, I don't use memory palace every day. I don't even use it, right? <laughs> uh, but it's useful if I wanted to say memorize a book or if I needed to memorize for competitions, but generally, um, you know, I'm not using it. So there's other skills that are just as good as using those memory techniques. Again, it all comes down to what are you trying to do during the day? How full is your brain? Because uh, time management is about energy management, how you're conserving energy, how you're using energy, all of that stuff. So that's, that's how I um, look at memory in terms of, you know, how does it fit in your daily life and how can you make the most out of it rather than 
um, going counterproductive because you can look at memory techniques. And I usually have a lot of people saying, I've tried this technique, tried that, it's not working, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, you're overusing it. It's, it's counterproductive. You can just listen and take notes. You can just do nothing and relax your mind as well. The world's not going to end. So it's just people don't know how to use the skills. And I guess that's why I coach the techniques and systems. So it can not overburden people, but use uh people can actually use it as a superpower more so than you know i'm now overburdened by all this knowledge hopefully that, that makes sense yeah it does it totally does and it kind it reminds me of a conversation we had as well when when you you're talking about your coaching and you said that uh that people come to you with a problem and but there's something else underlying and that's not uncommon for coaches people or, or even doctors you know people say oh, I've got a sore toe but it's actually that they've got diabetes uh, and so it's looking at the root cause of the problem and so people sometimes you mentioned people come to you with memory challenges but when you're actually talking to them and digging deeper you recognize it's not it's not a memory issue there's there's other things that are going on can you give us a bit of insight Tansel in terms of what some of those things might be or what things you can recall with clients that have impacted on on them being able to utilize those memory tools yeah, it's a really good question because that's why we do what we do because it's never really the surface level you know are oh, my toes hurting or whatever there's always something else going on and you know, as a coach, what you really want to do is you, you want to help people with the root cause. You don't want to just give them, you know, the surface level off you go and then they'll keep coming back. I mean, it's it's not, you know, it's not the way I believe. And once you start treating what's really hurting people, then it could solve a lot of their problems. And so that that's the beauty of being a coach. I mean, I never really set out to be one, but once you know the skills to help people, you sort of go and do it, as you know. So a few of the things that people have come to me for really is, they said things like, you know, Tansel, I've got a really bad memory. You know, um, I need to be able to pass this professional exam. You know, like one was for the bar. And it's like, how can I do it? Um, so as I probed deeper and deeper, it turns out this person wasn't sleeping. And I thought, hey, yeah, man, right. you're not sleeping. It's going to affect a lot of areas, right? So I said, oh, okay, I prescribed sleeping. You know, I've never done that before. <laughs> so I said, okay, why don't you take time sleeping for a week like this much and see how you go? Next week, um, you know, I meet them uh, the following week. So a week they've had a, of sleep and they said, oh, guess what, Tansel, my memory's improved all of a sudden. <laughs> I'm like, of course he has. Yeah. You know, so you've got, you know, more energy and everything else. So, um, you know, and some other things as well, like people have come to me again, I want to remember names. And it turns out that it's not that they were bad with names. They had a lack of confidence. And it's like, what a difference that is. I mean, this is a CEO of a massive company and they look really, people looking at him were intimidated, but he was lacking confidence skills. I'm like, oh, wow, that, that's so fascinating. You know, you don't want to just remember names. You want to do it so that you can be more confident and look, you know, powerful and all this sort of stuff. So there's always something a lot deeper down there. It's never about, I want to be able to remember. It's all about, well, here's how I want to live uh, my life. So that, that's what it really comes down to. Yeah. yeah, that's that's really interesting. And I've, it's what about um, um, hydration? Does that because I know that uh, that affects my concentration? Does that also impact upon our memory as well? Yeah, I'm not too sure to be honest because I'm really bad for that stuff. I, I barely ever drink. I mean, I've got yeah, I've, I've got something here in front of me, but yeah, I, I'm not really good at it. Of course, hydration. I mean, more oxygen 
right into the brain so that that would definitely make a difference and i know in competitions as well we generally drink a lot of water um, and eat lots of you know seeds and nuts and things like that to actually help your brain so yeah i, I would say i mean it's almost digging into common sense really you eat and drink right then you're going to see a bit more of a benefit there as well so yeah yeah, that, that makes sense. And for those of us that are working in areas where we might be experts um, in, in our field of work, I know for me, the things that I can't remember are the statistics of things and where that information came from. So it might be 78% of um, Australians that did a psychological study in 2015 found that memory was the best tool for their time management. Right? I will never remember the year, the percentage, but I wish that I could pull those facts when I'm when I'm on radio or something like mm. that. I end up saying, Research has shown that a higher percentage of people, I remember that information, but I wish I could remember the exact figures. So can you can you give me a tip, Tansel, in terms of how I might yeah. link those numbers into a story to help me remember mm. in the moment? Yeah, I, I live, I love this sort of stuff because I mean I, I get on radio quite a bit and TV and, and and you know when you you know rip out things like that and research and they go, wow, this guy knows a lot. And you're you're sort of laughing to yourself, going, I just memorized it before, you know. So it, it really is quite easy. Um, however, there is a, a technique and systems in place. So there is a system to remember numbers. One's called the major system as well and the major system essentially is you memorize pre-memorize numbers from zero zero to 99 so 17 could be a dog you know 71 could be a cat you know 78 could be a cough um and the reason why i say these particular words is that seven is a cut sound one is a d or a k and you can just make up words uh, according to the system so let's say when 78 percent of australians right you say okay you can visualize australians coughing and the cot is k is seven, and then eight is F, so cough sound, uh, the word coming up. So you visualize all these Australians coughing, uh, and why are they coughing? Because they've got a really good uh, memory technique to remember, but they just can't, or, or something like that. So I'm making stories up, right? So all you have to do is make up a story with those numbers uh, and the context of what you're trying to remember, and you essentially get it. Um, not not the best example, but I, I think it's. Uh, you know, explained in a way where you need a number system, you need the context and just make a story. And that's pretty much it. So we could use those old bingo techniques like um, legs 11. 11, uh, legs um, 11. <laughs> yeah, and the swans is 22, two swans swimming, 22 and, yeah. and things like that, can't we? So that's really cool. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, I know you won't show us now, but I know when, when you and I were talking, you showed me a picture from competition where there was something like, 10 rows of numbers and there was like um a, a 10 and across there was there mm -hmm. was 10 or 15 numbers and you explained to me that system exactly that with the numbers how when you put those numbers together it created a word and then you link the words together in a story I was so mm. sophisticated but so simple as well in terms of a process of being able to create a language almost out of those words, out of those numbers. Yeah. But is there any closing kind of advice that you would like to share with people who want to improve their memory? Any any tips that you might like to share? Final yeah, tips? Um, I, 
I always say to people, look, there's a ton of stuff online. That, that's where I started. I mean, back in 2002, I just did a Google search on memory techniques. And, you know, I've won four memory competitions, you know, represented Australia, written international best-selling books. I mean, this is just from following my curiosity, right? I was a skeptic when I started out. So go online. Um, search memory techniques, um, watch my YouTube channel because I've got a ton of, I've got over a hundred videos on, you know, uh, memory techniques and uh, other little personal development skills. Um, you know, jump on my website, uh, tanslala.com. I've got a heap of articles on there. You can actually read uh, about memory techniques as well. Um, but most importantly, practice the techniques. Don't just learn the techniques, practice them because that's how you're really going to learn. Knowledge isn't the most important bit here it's the practice because the more you practice the more you'll fail but then you can fix that failure and say okay maybe i can try it this way and the more you do that the better you'll apply it into your everyday life and and that's how i learned i made a ton of mistakes over and over again um, but it's just persistence and if you persist for long enough you'll see the absolute difference from there. So that's my advice. It suggests to me too that what you're talking about is, is creating, forming new habit in, in that process. By practising, you, you're forming new habit in terms of the way that you address things and approach things. Absolutely. I mean, I train up speakers all the time and, uh, you know, having run uh, TEDx uh, events previously, I used to train up half my speakers in remembering their content um, so much so that it looks amazing when they're being filmed. For, for the TED videos. And, you know, it's not so much about remembering the content. Um, yes, some people have a ton of words in there, a lot of context, but what you can do is uh, pretty much the technique that you're using for that when you're in the car is linking words together. And what I usually tell people is, you know, people come to me with six page scripts for their talk and I end up sort of ripping them apart saying, you're not going to memorize six pages, right? But what you can memorize is the key components of this talk. So six pages sometimes equals maybe six parts to it. So you just remember the key points of that part, right? There might be six things and you connect them into a story. And then what you do, if you need to remember specific words, then you connect those specific words to, um, that part in that uh, sort of order. So for example, I mentioned introduction before, let's say in the introduction, you, you want to remember, you know, talking about your own personal journey. Then you say, okay, I'm introducing myself to the fence. I'll use that again. Right. And then suddenly the, the fence took me on a journey to somewhere. Right. So all you're doing is connecting extra words onto that location. And that's how you're going to end up remembering uh, more words. So let's say you've got um, six locations you've got six parts to the talk but you've also got maybe 20 subtopics that you want to talk about right there might be three in the first one two in the next one six in the next one and so on so all you're doing is you've memorized the top six right in your locations and you memorize three in the first location two in the second location six in the next one and so on so it's just using a combination of location and you know connecting stories for each of those words um, it's a bit hard not using the whiteboard and showing people. I'm, I'm happy to help people as well to just give you more detail on this as well. So, yeah. And so could you also, with those specific words uh, that you want, like they're really powerful words that you want to make sure that you plant in your speech, could you use a similar te technique that you mentioned with the numbers where it might be the sound that has a relationship to a particular item? Or I was just thinking what might be a, a tricky word that I don't remember in the moment when I'm really, really stressed. So let's say it was analogy. Could I say 
analogy. It's, I was going to, don't want to use the word anal, but it would be analogy canal. You know, it's on, imagine yeah. a canal um, so that I remember yeah. a, um, analogy. Could it be something yeah. like that? Yeah. Yeah, you would. And what you do is you connect that word to something, right, into an order of your talk, because you can create a beautiful image, but if it's not connected to anything, it's going to be very hard to remember as well. So it has to be connected to the order. Remember, a speech is just data presented in order. And, you know, more importantly as well, you don't want to just remember your speech. It's not about remembering your speech. You want to have an impact with your words. And I think that has more of um, use of a memory technique because now you're thinking, okay, how am I going to make this talk memorable, right? What's going to make it memorable? So instead of just trying to remember words, you think, okay, I've got my talk, but how, how is it going to be received by other people? And the more you train your memory, believe it or not, you become a better speaker because you know what works for other people now and what's going to connect uh, rather than what's not going to connect because you've done your training. So that's wow. another thing to look at. And when I train up my TED speakers, I always say to them, look, park yourself on the bench and look at what's the message to them. How are you going to change their lives? How are you going to make them feel? You know, um, it, it's not necessarily about the words, but how you connect with your audience as well. So obviously, if you know your audience, that's, you know, from speaking skills, we, we know about that. But what impact are you going to have with your words? Um, and once you know how to do that in a story format, um, then you've got a really powerful, engaging um, yeah, presentation. And you make a good point about how your speech is memorable, not just you remembering it. And what's common is storytelling, like telling the story, not just telling the information and the facts. And that's what people often remember the most about you, the, the speech that you make or the things that you tell us. Um, yeah. Cool. Thank you, Tansel. So if people want, you mentioned you've got a YouTube channel, you mentioned you've got a website. Can people buy your books on your website as well? Um, not on my website directly, but they can go to any bookstore online or Amazon, you know, Dimix, uh, Fish Pond, wherever, you know, you can buy books, you can get it from there. Um, and, you know, you can even get it on, I think, on your phones now as well. So whether it's on Kindle or um, not on Audible, uh, it's not there, but um, yeah, so you can go anywhere, The Yellow Elephant and How to Learn Almost Anything 48 Hours. But yeah, if, but if people want to contact me, um, feel free to do so. And that's just on my website, tansalali.com. Thanks, Tansal. I really appreciate you spending this time with us and sharing your incredible wisdom. I find it so fascinating. I've got, I've got heaps of cool tips from you about what I can do to support what I'm doing, but I'm sure others will too in terms of alleviating the stress that comes with um, not remembering things but also how it supports it in other ways. Um, I'm going to leave you there. Thank you so much for hanging out with us and we'll catch up with you again soon. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Busy Working Women podcast. If you want to know more, head over to Facebook and search for our group, Busy Working Women Owning Their Lives. Join over 3,000 women from all over the world taking control of their busy lives to feel less overwhelmed and more in control. If you want to connect with me personally, visit timetamer.com.au and access a whole bunch of free resources. I can't wait to connect with you. Remember, be kind to yourself and take time for yourself.